play a little game this morning that maybe you played as a kid. I brought a box. How many of you have ever gotten up on Christmas morning, your kids opened up all these neat presents and then ended up playing with the box? Anybody? Boxes are cool. You can do things with boxes, right? So I brought a box with me. So let's just play a little game. If you were a kid, we do have some kids in here. Y'all can help us out. Those of us who are older and lost our ability to imagine a little bit, maybe. If you're a kid and you've got this box, what are you going to make out of it? What are you going to use it for? You're playing a game. You want to use the box. What are you going to use it for? What's that? Okay, spaceship. Could be a spaceship. And evidently, one of my kids used it as one because it says to infinity and beyond on the back of it. <laughs> yep. So it could be a spaceship, right? Huntsville's a great place to pretend you're in a spaceship. All right. What else? Could be a car, right? You know, I don't think I could fit in this box without breaking it, but if I was smaller, I could turn it into a race car, right? What else? It could be, right? It could be a house. You could turn it into a house, again, if you were small enough, or a dollhouse, right? You could turn it into a dollhouse. What else? Anything else come to mind? It could be a helmet, yeah, maybe. I don't know. It could be, or a hat, or whatever. I thought about, like, maybe a refrigerator, right? You could pretend it's a refrigerator. What else? Anybody have anything else? A sled to slide down the grass on. Absolutely. Did we have one more thing? Nova Grace? What? A shark. Okay, yeah. All right, let's see. Yes, very good. All right, one more and we're done. What else? Yeah, like a fort or a base or a headquarter. I mean, the, the possibilities are endless when you use your imagination, right? And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about using our imaginations Because it is okay to imagine great things for God with one very important condition. God does give us the ability to dream. He gives us the ability to think. He wants us to plan. But our imaginations, whatever we imagine for God, has to be done in humility. And it has to agree with his plan for our lives and for his kingdom. And so it's, it's okay to imagine as long as you are living in submission to the Holy Spirit and are being guided by the Lord. So let's talk a little bit about imagination this morning. It's okay to do that as long as we remember that God's plan is the most important thing for our lives and his kingdom. God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. This is really what we're talking about with this focus on equipping, our Equip 23 focus. We're asking each of you, the leadership, the staff, myself is asking each of you to ask, what has God put me here for? What has he gifted me to do? What is his plan for my life? What is his vision for my life? What is his vision for my life as it relates to this church and serving, but outside the walls of the church as well? We need to think about the fact that God didn't save us and set us free from sin just to sit here and do nothing. He wants us to have influence for him and for his kingdom. Some, 
that's going to be a large influence. Some, maybe not as large in terms of the many, uh, the number of people that you're able to influence at a particular time, but over the course of a lifetime, how many people can you influence for the Lord and for His kingdom? And so we're asking that question because the truth is, no matter how big or small your part is, and you have a part... In kingdom work, no matter who you are, what he's gifted you to do, no matter how big or small your part is in that kingdom work, you can and should make an impact in your world for the kingdom of God. And that's the name of our series, making an impact in your world. That's what we're called to do. And we do that first and foremost by knowing our Savior, being saved by, by Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he made, having a relationship with him, but then living a life of faithfulness. And as we are faithful, if we are faithful, we will leave a legacy for the Lord, being faithful one day at a time, day in, day out, doing what God has called us to do. If we do that, we will make an impact for the kingdom of God. Now, if you go, we're going to be in First Chronicles today. We're going to look at the story of Jabez. The story of Jabez. He was definitely a nobody who became somebody. Uh, We don't know much about him except these few brief verses. But in these few verses, we learn a good deal about having a plan that God gives us and being willing to seek out that plan and then fulfill that plan that he gives us. He was definitely a nobody who became somebody, an unknown who eventually becomes well-known. I mean, to have just a small place in Scripture, most of us, if not all of us here today, have probably heard of him before, right? A lot of people misinterpret his story, uh, short story, but we've heard of him nonetheless. Now, if you go through the first couple of chapters of 1 Chronicles, it's kind of like going through a cemetery. There's a lot of names, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of record of people's lives, genealogies, endless, in fact. But they're important because it all speaks to God's plan. And his plan involving choosing his people to bring about his plan, which, of course, tracing lineage through the line of David, which would ultimately result in what? The Messiah, the birth of the Messiah. And so even though it's, it's kind of difficult to sort of to, to wade through all of, all of those genealogies, it's still very important because it, it shows us, among other things, that God, he, he does have a plan. And he's going to work out that plan. It's, it's something we can trace through Scripture and see time and time again in different examples in different ways. And so 1 Chronicles, we see, was written really during the, 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 a very weak and unstable time in the nation of Israel. And what we've seen in the history of Israel up to this point is uh, a, a, pretty, a, a pretty big rise in terms of the nation of Israel. They peak, and then slowly but surely, uh, they turn against God. And then we've walked through some of that in our, our series, making an impact, seeing some examples of that. And as they turned against God, God was very patient with the nation of Israel, but eventually they get to a point where God says enough, and, and he punishes them, and that punishment results in the invasion by Babylon and, and eventual captivity 
of the nation of Israel. And so what we see when we get into First Chronicles, we see that it was written not long after the return of the nation of Israel after 70 years of captivity, captivity in Babylon. So what's, what's happening here when we see all these gene- genealogies, really the, the folks that this is being written to, it's kind of like a fresh start for them. And, and it's, it's really them trying to focus once again on the truth that God has made the nation of Israel promises that he intends to keep, that there still is a plan for God's chosen people that will result in the Messiah coming. And so all of this speaks to the fact, to that fact, that that God has a plan. And so it is a difficult time. The nation's struggling to kind of regain its identity and regain its focus. But there is a desire here to be faithful, and there is still hope for this nation. And, And this is the beginning of regaining that hope, the promises that God had made to the nation of Israel. And if we look at all of these names that fall before and after the name of Jabez, we can estimate that he lived somewhere around the time of Joshua and the conquest of Canaan, somewhere in that time frame as these names are being listed. Maybe he was born into a family that wasn't particularly wealthy, uh, we know for sure, or we can, we can take from these few verses and know that he was born in difficult circumstances. Uh, there was a lot of anguish surrounding his birth. So we know without a shadow of a doubt that his was a very humble beginning. But he distinguishes himself. So let's look in First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Two simple verses, yet very complex. Beginning in verse 9, Jabez was more honored than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez and said, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez called out to the God of Israel, if only you would bless me, extend my border, let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will not experience pain. And God granted his request. That's it. That's all we have. That's all. This man's never mentioned again in Scripture. That's all that we have about him. But there is, from these verses, we see a lot going on in these verses. And from these verses, there are some very important lessons we can learn about having a vision for our lives, about what God intends for that vision to be, and how we are to approach casting a vision for our lives and what we want to accomplish for God and for his kingdom. So let's look at some of these lessons. The first is this. We learn that humble beginnings can lead to honor and influence. Humble beginnings can lead to honor and influence. Now, there's no doubt that Jabez came from humble beginnings. There's a lot we don't know, but there are some very important things that we do know. Jabez, the actual name, is a Hebrew word that's pronounced Yabetz. Most likely, and there's reason to believe this, this isn't just me imagining, there is reason to believe that when his mother named him, she had a particular word in mind, Atzav, the Hebrew word Atzav. And that sounds completely different, 
But we know what atzav means. It means anguish, intense sorrow, or pain. There's more reason to believe this is the word she had in mind in just a few moments. Um, But the reason it is, even though it sounds different, to take that word, atzav, and, and make Jabez's name, all you have to do is switch two letters in the Hebrew language. It's almost like his mother is using this word that means pain, anguish, intense sorrow, and, and creating a pun, making a pun based on sound play. It would be like, you remember a few weeks ago, those of you that were here, that I used the illustration about uh, curds and whey. Right, uh, where you know the the milk is separated uh, by the vinegar and it creates curds. Well, that's che- uh, cottage cheese is che- is curds. Okay. Now, when I was a kid, I liked cottage cheese. I tried it as an adult and I almost threw up. I don't like cottage cheese anymore. And so, calling it curd, it would like it would be like me saying instead of I don't like cheese curd, it would like, be like me saying, I don't like that cheese crud, okay? <laughs> Just taking two letters, swapping them to mean something different. And I would say that about cottage cheese. I'm sorry if you don't like cottage cheese. But we believe, and there's reason to believe, again, this is the word that his mother had in mind. So somehow his birth was associated with intense pain. Now, we don't know exactly what that is. It could have been as simple as that it was just a really difficult birth. But, but the, the way it's said leads us to believe that there was more to it than just a difficult, painful childbirth. That, that whatever was going on in the lives of his family at that time was defined by intense sorrow anguish and pain. Basically, as a result, his mother names him Pain. How would you like to have that name from your mom? That's essentially what his name refers to. Could have been any number of things. It could have been that they had financial problems. That wouldn't have been unheard of during this time frame. Could have been health problems. It could have been that times were just simply tough. And, you know, desert life is not that much fun. So it could have been that, that 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 was the reason for their anguish, for their difficulty. But what we do know is that every time Jabez's name was mentioned, it would have been a reminder of whatever the pain was that they were going through at that time. So that's basically his legacy up to this point, where he cries out to God to enlarge his territory. Every time his name is mentioned, it's a reminder of pain and sorrow and anguish. And listen, maybe you can identify with Jabez in this way this morning. Maybe the beginning of your life was nothing to write home about. Maybe you were born in very difficult circumstances. Maybe you grew up in horrible circumstances. Maybe there was abuse. Maybe there was drug abuse. Maybe there was abandonment. Maybe there was any number of things that caused you to feel like you, weren't, you aren't important or that you're not loved or that you're not appreciated. Well, what we learn among other things from this story, is that just because your life began that way doesn't mean that it has to end that way. And it doesn't mean that you have to live that way because regardless of what the people who are charged with loving you by God, regardless of how good of a job they did at that or whether they did that at all, you can know for certain that there is a heavenly Father who loves and values you and has a plan for your life. 
Even a nobody like Jabez can be used for God's kingdom. And we see that in this story, in these two short verses today. Regardless of the actual circumstances, though, that Jabez was born into, they were humble circumstances, and he was given a name that would never, ever allow him to forget that. But don't miss how he's described in verse 9. Look at verse 9 again. Jabez was more honored than all of his brothers. He's given this name, but we read in this brief account that he's more honored than any of his other brothers. And that word used for honored literally means heavy. It's like in English when we say this is a weighty matter. It gives the idea of great importance, serious. It means means that that he, he himself, he was a very important and a serious person of influence, not only in his time, but beyond that. So even though humble circumstances define the beginning of his life, that certainly wasn't God's plan for his life. He was to be an important figure in this lineage, in this genealogy, and for the nation of Israel, and for us today as we're studying what we know about him. Now think about this. These words were written not during Jabez's lifetime, These words were written after his lifetime. So whatever the painful circumstances that surrounded the beginning of his life, he ended his days with honor, with high status, and greater influence than any of his brothers. God blessed him with the opportunity to do that and the ability to do that. In fact, the first sentence of verse 9 points to the contrast here. Charles Swindoll offers an amplified translation of this verse, and I just want to read it. It's more nuanced. Jabez, this is verse 9, Jabez was one who was more noteworthy, more impressive, more weighty in his community than his brothers. Ironically, though, his mother had named him Jabez, which is a sound play, we believe, on the word for pain, saying, I'm giving him his name because I bore him in anguish. So there's this contrast there. Jabez was a great man, even though this is what the verse is saying, Jabez became a great man for the kingdom of God, even though he was born in incredibly difficult and humble circumstances. It would be the same as as us looking back at history and saying, Abraham Lincoln became a great president, even though he was born in a log cabin. He was born in difficult, humble circumstances. That's the idea here is that, hey, look at what God made him and look at where he began. A nobody who God turned into a somebody. Your worth is not determined by your circumstances. Your worth is not determined by what other people think of you or how they measure your worth. Your worth and my worth is not determined by what I can do in this life. My worth, your worth, is determined by what God has done for me in sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and what he can do through me by his power and presence in my life and in your life. 
It's the same with Jabez. His worth was not determined by where he started. His worth was determined by the fact that he made himself available to God. He had a desire to serve God, and God worked in and through him to accomplish great things for his plan, for his kingdom. Verse 10 tells us how Jabez rose from these humble circumstances, this pain that described his childbirth to such an influential place, such a, an important, such a heavy, such a weighted place in society and in service of the Lord. This is where we learn that desire and ambition are good if they are tempered with faith and humility. Desire and ambition are good if they are tempered with faith and humility. Now our box again, we've got this box and we had a lot of fun pretending what it could become and what we could use it for, but what's it best used for? (laughs) This particular box is used for packing stuff to move and it's best used to put stuff in, to pack things into. And while you can come up with some crazy theories of how to use this box, a spaceship or whatever, it is still, it has a purpose. Now you can get creative with how you use it for its purpose, but it's best used as it was designed. And so with us, desire and ambition are fine. We should have dreams and goals. I mean, God gives us an imagination. I mean, is there anybody more creative than God? The answer to that's no. <laughs> I mean, look around. Look at creation. And Scripture tells us that he created us in his image. And part of that is the ability to create. Now, God gives us the ability, but that's why human beings invent things. God gives us an imagination. He gives us creativity. However, whatever we imagine, whatever we dream, whatever we desire has to be in agreement with the original purpose for which we are intended. The original purpose God designed us with and for. And so while there is creativity involved, there's dreaming, there's, there's imagination involved, that even our imagination, even our dreaming is guided by the Holy Spirit if we are in submission to the Holy Spirit. God works through that. And so dreams and goals, ambition, all of that is fine as long as it's tempered with faith in the one true God and humility in our our relationship and in our life as we walk with him daily. And I believe that Jabez had both of these things. It's a bold, sincere prayer that he prays that God chooses to honor. Again, Swindoll's Amplified Translation. Let's look at verse 10. Now Jabez called out to the God of Israel. He says this prayer. He prays this prayer. Oh, the deep longing that I have that you would exceedingly bless me and you would cause the increase of my sphere of responsibility, prosperity, and means, and that your continual presence and power might be with me and that you would act to protect me from harm so that I may not be sorrowful, that it may not be sorrowful to me as my name implies. Jabez prays this ambitious prayer that was tempered by humility. And there's some specific requests in this prayer that I want to kind of highlight. One is this. This is a prayer of divine ennoblement. Divine ennoblement. First, Jabez asked God to bless him. Now, this isn't 
an, an ordinary request, though. He's not just saying, Lord, bless me, or bless him, or what. It's not just a casual request here that Jabez is making. The Hebrew here shows a deep emotion with this prayer. What scholars call a particle of wishing. And, and this is a rare expression. And combined with this intense verb that's used here, it reveals that th- this isn't a casual prayer. This is a man who desperately desires something. Maybe it's because of where he came from. Maybe it's because of the fact that that reputation, that reminder has followed him all of his life. Maybe it's because of the circumstances he was in when he prayed this prayer. All we know is that he's desperately requesting, God, bless me. And, and all of the language makes this, this request for blessing is sort of doubly intensified, a very intense, bless me with overwhelming blessing, is what Jabez is praying here. He's asked for what we could call and what I am calling a divine ennoblement. The Hebrew blessing is not an insignificant matter. We saw that with Jacob and Esau, right? This is an important thing. I mean, the, 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 the whole concept of a blessing is an important thing in the Hebrew culture. And blessing from God is very closely connected with God's covenant with the nation of Israel. All of this is tied in together. So this isn't a small request. I mean, we all want God's blessing in our life. I mean, we should want God's blessing in our lives. And the Hebrew people certainly, especially, you know, again, you know, those who are reading this, all that the nation's been through, this is, again, a reminder of what happens when you don't have blessing. They know all too well what happens when you don't have God's blessing on your life, when we rebel against God, when they had rebelled against God. So, in effect... Jabez is asking the Lord, Lord, bless me with an uncommon blessing. Break through this pattern that has been my life, that is filled with sorrow, that is defined by pain, that is defined by anguish. Break through all of what my past has been and bless me with your presence. Bless me with influence. Bless me, yes, increase my possessions But it's not just a request for the sake of getting more stuff. He's wanting to be someone of significance for the glory of God. It's not about gaining possessions. It is about that, but it's more than that. He's saying, God, break through my past and give me a stake, not only just a small stake, but a huge stake in your covenant with my people. He asked for divine ennoblement. He also asked for divine expansion. Jabez asks, extend my border. Now, when you first look at this, if you just read through this and don't give it a lot of thought and a lot of study, it just sounds like, you know, a name it, claim it prayer, right? Lord, make me rich. I mean, you, you, you've probably heard similar messages or that focus in on that from this prayer. But if that's all you get from this, then you're, you're missing out sorely. Yes, now make no mistake, Jabez is asking for God to increase his wealth here. Okay, Because he's, asking, he's saying, enlarge my territory, enlarge my borders. And land meant wealth in this day and time. But it's not just about money. Because by asking for this increased Land, this increased territory, 
with that comes great responsibility. With that comes the ability to influence people for the kingdom of God. With that comes a stake in God's covenant with his people, which as we've seen in the nation of Israel, if there's disobedience, there is great punishment that comes from that. So there's accountability that comes with this. What Jabez is asking here, he is asking for an increased territory, but what he's asking for ultimately boils down to having a part in God's plan for the nation of Israel and beyond. But what he's asking is, and it's, it's not quite as simple as this, but it can be summed up this way, God, increase my possessions increase my territory so that I can have a greater influence for you and for your kingdom. I want to make an impact for your kingdom. God, if it's your plan for my life, increase my influence. And I promise, I commit that I will remain humble, remain submitted to you, and allow me, you to use me for your glory. It's not just a name Claim it health and wealth prayer that Jabez is praying. And if someone's taught you that from this, they have seriously misled you. Because wealth is not what it's all about. It's about responsibility. It's about accountability. It's about giving all that I am and all that I have to God to be used as he desires. And that's why he's mentioned. That's why all we know about Jabez is that he prayed a prayer of humility, a big prayer, yes. God blessed him and God used, God answered that prayer because God had a plan to use Jabez for his glory and for his kingdom. If we stop with enlarge my border, then we're, we're not digging deep enough into this and we reduce it to just a gimme list, but that's not all it is. It's so much more. It's a prayer for influence for God. It's all about God's glory is what it's ultimately about. Request number three, he, he asked for divine empowerment. Jabez prayed for divine empowerment. Let your hand, your continual presence and power be with me. In the Old Testament, in the culture and the literary world, the hand was used as a symbol of power, strength, control. Skill. And certainly in Scripture, we see God's hand represented as those things. His power. His control. His protection. And that's what Jabez is is asking here. Lord, you increase my territory. Give me greater influence. But keep your hand on my life. Keep your hand of control on my life. Keep your hand of blessing on my life. Keep your hand of power on my life because without your presence, it doesn't matter what I have. I'm not going to be able to do anything for your kingdom. Without God's hand on our lives and on this church, it doesn't matter what we attempt for him. It will not be successful from an eternal perspective. We will not have eternal impact. That's why we, yes, we pray, Lord, and let us have greater influence in this community and beyond for your glory. But Lord, please don't take your hand off of the work that we're doing, off of the ministry that we're doing. Lord, we promise if you give us influence, we will continue to seek you and submit to you and humble ourselves before you. Because we know if you take your hand of blessing off of the work that we're doing, it doesn't matter what we attempt for you. Our desire has to be to submit to him and to please him. That was Jabez's desire, and we see this all wrapped up. He's saying, Lord, I'm counting on you to do these things in your name for your glory. 
I want to be a part of this. I want to live out your plan for my life. I want to have great influence for you. But I know that comes with great responsibility, great accountability. I know that means doing it your way, not my way. Lord, please keep your hand of protection, guidance, control, blessing on my life because I can't do it without you. So in humility, Lord, I ask you to be with me. That's what he's praying here. And throughout scriptures, we see this pattern. Those whom God blesses, And uses in order to have the greatest impact are those who live in submission to his authority, seeking only his glory, not their own, the glory of God. And I believe that that is what Jabez desires here. Now, I don't know what your future holds, but God does. And when it comes time, maybe it's something great for the kingdom of God. I don't know. Even if it's a small part in kingdom work, it's still something that has great value in the kingdom, eternal value. Regardless of what your part in this church, outside of this church, is for the kingdom of God, determine in your heart, in your mind, let's determine together as God's people that we desperately need and have to have God's hand of blessing on it throughout all that we do in church and in my life, in my family. Whatever God calls you to do, understand that the only way you'll be able to do it is if he is in control and his hand is on your life, working in and through you. The fourth request he makes is for divine enablement, a little different than ennoblement. The simple word for word translation says this, it says, and keep me from harm so that I will not experience pain. Again, probably has to do with his background, what he was going through at the time. We don't know for sure. But again, Swindoll's Amplified Translation says this, and that you would act to protect me from harm so that it may not be so sorrowful for me as my name implies. He's praying for protection. He's praying for God's hand, which is not only a guiding presence, it is also a protective power. He's praying for God's protection on his life as we just talked about. And the reason we think his name means what it is is because Jabez, that, that name I mentioned a few minutes ago, that Hebrew name that means intense anguish, sorrow, and pain, that's the word that, that Jabez uses here. So it's like he's saying, you know that name my mom was thinking of when she named me? Don't let that define my life. Protect me from intense pain, anguish, and sorrow. The final sentence of this brief little bio of Jabez tells us the result of his prayer. It says, God brought about for him altogether, again the Amplified Translation, God brought about for him altogether what he had asked. God brought about what Jabez desired. And and I'm sure it wasn't in a moment, in an instant. It was probably over the course of many years as he molded Jabez and shaped him, and grew him. But we know that God gave him what he asked for and empowered him to do what God intended for him to do, and that was to make an impact for the kingdom of God. You know, it's interesting. Jabez takes this bold faith, bold step of faith, prays this big prayer. His heart was obviously right. God blessed it. God honored it. And when you look At the names before and after Jabez, we see the phrase or phrases 
father of and son of or brother of repeatedly in this, in this genealogy. But we don't see any of those words surrounding this humble guy who prayed this incredibly bold prayer and ended up being defined as someone who was more honored than all of his brothers, who God chose to bless. Again, I say if there's ever a story of a nobody becoming a somebody, this is it. We don't know anything else about him. Scripture doesn't record anything else about him, his family. It's just we know that God used him. He took him from incredibly difficult, humble circumstances and made him into something great for the kingdom of God. Used him in a mighty way. And again, you may be able to identify with the humble beginnings that define Jabez's life. All of what's defined your life to this point may have resulted in you telling yourself that you could never amount to anything for God or for his service. Maybe other people have told you that. I guarantee you, Satan would love for you to believe that and to stay right there, defined by your past, defined by something that's happened in your life or something someone else has done to you. But that's not God's plan for you. I don't know exactly what God's plan for you is, but I know it's not that. He created you and he loves you. He has a plan for you and a purpose for you. And he can even take all of that junk in your past and use it for his plan and for his glory. And for his kingdom. Doesn't make it easy to deal with. Doesn't make it any less painful. But God can use it. For something that lasts a lot longer than this temporary existence. We call life. God has a plan for your life. And he loves you. And he values you. If you sincerely believe. If you and I. If we really do believe that, that our world is as big. As God has planned has created it, and, and, and his plan is as, really is as big as it is, eternal, then we should believe that we have a big part in that, regardless of what that specific part is. By his grace, we can accept it, and then we can fill it well. We can faithfully complete the task that he's given us in this life. And the reward that we receive on the other side of this life will be well worth anything that we give up in order to pursue God's plan. That reward of good and faithful servant alone makes it worth it. On the other hand, if we just haven't taken time to stop and ask, God, what have you put me here on earth to do? What a waste is that? What a waste it would be to spend your whole life never experiencing what God has in store. I want to give you three things to think about. Before we finish, one is this. A small, struggling start doesn't necessitate a limited life. Just because you began in humble circumstances doesn't mean you have to end there in terms of your place in kingdom work. God may choose to bless you with possessions. He may not. But what we're talking about is, is spiritual wealth here, a wealth of relationship with God, of becoming like Christ, and of doing something in life that far outlasts this life that lasts for eternity, investing in eternity. Jabez the unknown 
He begins his life in sorrow, but the Lord gives him a place of honor in his word because he dared to pray boldly to God with humility and faith. Second, no measure of success is safe without God's presence and power. Your place in God's kingdom work may be small. It may be big. And listen, especially if it's a place of leadership, don't forget that. Because without God's presence and power in your life, you'll blow it. I'll blow it. We have to have God's guidance. We have to have God's protection. We have to have his control. He has to be in control. He has to be calling the shots or we will fail. Think about Rehoboam from last week. He had more money, more power, more influence than Jabez had ever dreamed of when he prayed this prayer. Yet God's hand was not on his life. God removed it. He removed his protection. He should have been able to defeat Egypt with barely breaking a sweat. But because God removed his hand of protection from Rehoboam, what happened? They were defeated. Egypt, they were defeated by Egypt. Here's the thing to remember. Success on your own is a shaky existence. Any influence you have, any success God gives you, anything that God gives you, if you try to manage it on your own, you're on shaky ground. Third, third lesson here. When God prospers and blesses a life, no place for guilt remains. Now, again, this isn't a name it, claim it thing, but don't feel guilty about what God blesses you with. Be thankful, be humble, and use it for his glory. Use it for his kingdom. Because the reality is, whatever God blesses you with, whether it be possessions or just a position of influence, with that With that comes great responsibility and great stress and great accountability. I mean, think about the people just in our history alone that have had the greatest responsibility. I mean, have you ever looked at pictures from presidents from the beginning of their term to the end of their term? Well, if you haven't, I brought a few. The most well-known is Abraham Lincoln. The left is when he started the end is just before he was assassinated. Look, I mean, he looks like he's aged 50 years, right? Let's look at the next one. There's Roosevelt, FDR, from the beginning to the end. Now, he had several heart, uh, health problems, but, I mean, World War II had a lot to do with that, and the Depression had a lot to do with that, too, don't you think? And then, more recent, George W. Bush, from the beginning to when he left office. Now, I chose not to put a picture of myself up there from the beginning to now. (laughs) I probably do have a few more gray hairs, but I blame my kids mostly for that, not you guys. But that just goes to show you with great influence, with power, comes great responsibility and stress. I mean, that's a physical example of how that You know, that kind of position can age a person. And the same is true in the kingdom of God. God may bless you with great influence. God may bless you with with possessions. He may bless you with all kinds of territory. But understand the accountability that goes with that. And don't feel sorry for being blessed. Just use it for his glory and stay submitted to him. Stay humble. This is ultimately what the focus of Equip 23 is all about. 
It's God, why did you put me here? You gifted me. You gave me abilities. How do you want to use those for your glory, for your kingdom? Enlarge my territory, Lord. Grow the gifts that you've placed in me. Take control of my life. Show me where you want me to use those gifts and abilities for your glory and for your kingdom. Ask God to expand your territory, to increase your influence. And then you will have a greater ability to make an impact in your world for the kingdom of God. But remember, the key, the key in submission, be faithful. Day in, day out, faithful to what God desires, to his plan, not your own. If you do that, if I do that, we will leave a legacy for the kingdom of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this short, simple prayer that is packed with so much significance. And it is a call on each of our lives. It's a challenge to all of us. It's a challenge for us to evaluate where we are in life and what we've chosen to do with the opportunity that you've given us to serve you and to make an impact for your kingdom. Have we ever stopped and bothered to pray, Lord, increase my influence. Show me, empower me to make an impact for you and for your kingdom. Have we ever even stopped to think and ask the question, God, what is your plan for me in your kingdom work? If not, Lord, I pray that, we, that another day would not go by without us asking that question. Lord, I pray that we as your people would pursue you with everything that we are and everything that we have, with all of our hearts, with complete and total devotion and submission, and that we would pursue your plan, not our own, not someone else's, your plan for your kingdom, and that we wouldn't rest until we discover and fulfill our part in that, whatever that is. Each of us individually seeking you first and foremost, knowing you, growing in you, and fulfilling the plan that you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would just move through this place in this moment. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Prepare us for what you have in store for us. Help us to be determined to follow you and to pursue you wherever you lead. And to fulfill your purpose, your way, as you instruct and as you desire. For it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Would you stand for our time of decision?